0: I am so honored today because I have Dr. Pollack with me. And she graduated from high school at Holy Rosary Academy in Union City, New Jersey, and then went on to get a bachelor's degree in biological sciences. She received her medical degree from UMDNJ. She completed her training in pediatrics at Albert Einstein College of Medicine in New Bronx, New York. She's been practicing pediatrics in Union City, New Jersey. Since 1996, most of those years were at Progressive Pediatrics. She was the first doctor in her extended family, and then the floodgates opened, and now five cousins in, in her family are in the medical profession. She has two children, both whom attended public school in New Jersey, and now are adults getting their undergrad, graduate, and graduate degrees. She loves pediatrics because one can make a difference in a young person's life that will last a lifetime. She's most passionate about advocating for healthy living in preteens and teens, helping them love their body, working on their mindset, as well as their habits in a way to make a difference for the world. She is speaking to all professionals who encounter this age group, as well as to parents who help use the right language to communicate about health rather than weight. Thank you so much for being here, Dr. Polak.
1: I'm so excited to be with you. Thank you, Dr. Carolyn.
0: Thank you. Um, I'm so excited to dive into your journey, but you've had quite the journey and really a true leader in your family as well um, when it comes to the medical profession. But I would love to know, what was that drive to go into pediatrics?
1: Um, So to be perfectly honest, I was the oldest of all of the cousins in my family. So everybody whenever we'd get together and there's quite a few of us, we'd all get together and I'd be like in the room taking care of all the kids and then the parents would be in the other room, you know, doing their thing. <laughs> so I've I've been like with kids all my life. I'm I'm a few years older than most of them, 4 or 5 years older for, than most of them. So it was a it was always fun, right? We got to organize together and play together and and then as we grew older you know also being teens together was a lot of fun so um i enjoy children very much and when then i when i made it into medical school I, you do you know little rotations so every three months you change a specialty this is the only one that truly spoke to me and i was like my mind is made up i am yeah. not going into anesthesia I am not going into <laughs> surgery. I want to just be with kids all day. And I have to be honest, sometimes it's a challenge because the toddlers don't love you. But the <laughs> majority of the patients do love you. <laughs>
0: I believe that, especially when it comes to like shots or anything like that. I have a exactly. like, toddler age now and she does not like going to the doctors for the shots. <laughs> exactly. But she likes her doctor, <laughs> which is important. So it goes back to too, being the oldest. So You had kind of set the tone for all your cousins as well. And I think it's amazing that you were the first in your family, extended family, to go all the way because it is a journey. I know in the psychology field, it's a long haul as well, but a little different when it comes to medical school. But I love the fact that you focus on teens and preteens and just really about loving their body. You know, my dissertation is all about the mind-body connection and mindful eating, especially that age group where it's preteens. And teens, so they can really truly understand how to really nourish their mind and their body. But I'm curious, what kind of drew you in there? What is that love for you? You know,
1: it's a, I think it was because I saw a lot of people cry in my practice. Mm. <clears throat> to tell you the truth, before the pandemic, I saw many patients per day and I mm. saw 90% physical ailments and 10% mental, emotional ailments. The pandemic hurt, hit, you know, hit us, and now I'm dealing with about 50-50, to tell you the truth, Dr. Carolyn. Wow. So half of the kids that walk through my practice doors are now dealing with emotional, mental health issues, and a lot of those revolve around body image. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, especially in that age group, you know that, right? This <laughs> this is what you do yes, for a yes. living. So I feel like kids in middle school are really targeted by other kids and teased. And and the things that go on in preteen life are so painful sometimes. And I address it head on with them. I ask the direct question, how are you socially? How many people do you sit with at lunch? What's the conversation like to figure that out? But when I walked into my office day after day after day and each exam room has a patient in it who when they look at the scale, they cry, I figured I needed to change my practice. Right, there, we can't we can't just continue to be the same. So change needed to happen, and it happened in my own mindset after an interesting story that I'd like to tell you. Um, <laughs> after I was doing a, a well check up on a young man who was about fourteen or fifteen, and he had gained a bit of weight, and um, I always showed the growth chart to the patient and to the parent to show them progression, and after I showed him his growth chart weight and height. And BMI chart, he looked at me and he goes, I did not give you permission to talk about my weight. And I was like, whoa, child, okay. He's like, he's like, you should not be, you should not be talking about that unless I give you permission. It's a sensitive topic. And I was like, you know, my apologies. And, you know, kind of took me aback a bit. And then I learned my lesson, right? (laughs) What is my lesson? My lesson is talking about weight is painful right? It's just a painful situation. Even if you talk about how well they're doing at this moment, Mm -hmm. it makes them take it home so that if they're not doing well that day, it makes them feel bad, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So that's where I started to make my change about a couple of years ago and to speak differently. So now we speak about health habits, right? Mm -hmm. And that's for me, this is now my, my new passion because Oh, so many of us physicians out there really thought we were helping by telling people they're overweight and how to, how to eat. But we can say to them, your, health, your unhealthy habits are affecting your, your life.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: would you like to change any? Let's go on a health journey together. So I am no longer using the word weight loss. I'm not using the numbers to look at a child's health or a patient's health. I'm just looking at their mini habits. What are they doing? Are they moving every day, right? Mm -hmm. Are they choosing foods that are healthy about 80% of the time? Because nobody's hundred percent, right? Right? If you've got the 80-20 rule, 80% of the time you're eating healthy, the other 20% less healthy, okay? Mm -hmm. Then you know what? You'll be okay if, if you're moving, right? You just gotta move. And so we focus on those things and little tiny habits that over their lifetime should make a difference. And I've seen it in the the matter of the last couple of years. It really makes a difference with that mindset shift. So that's why I started doing that.
0: Well, thank you for sharing that. And I think it's just so refreshing to hear that because I think more physicians and in pediatrics and all across the world in medical aspect are really focusing in more on the mental and emotional aspect of a child, especially at that age too, because we have so many opportunities to help mold them so they don't have issues when they're adults and all the other things that come with that when it comes to health. Um, But I do know, too, when we address it head on, that's how the change can happen. And really focusing on the language, like you mentioned, and like I mentioned in your bio, too, of that communication, that language that we speak to children, too, because that can trigger so many things. I mean, I grew up in the gymnastics and cheerleading world, so I saw a lot of things around me um, personally, but with body image and how that really impacts children at such an early age when... They want to have fun and play and be happy, but like asking those questions directly can make such a difference. I'm curious, how do you work with the parents too when the child comes in? Yeah,
1: so if you're on a one-to-one, you can read the room a bit. I'm sure you do that often too, right? You walk in and you can feel the tension. Where are the tears? Who's looking at whom accusingly, right? And then I start to basically talk to the parents and help them understand that they are not the food police. Their job, their job is not to look at their child and tell them stop eating, don't eat this and don't eat that. That that seems like it's going to really ruin their relationship with their child. So, I help the parents to understand their role in that relationship between their child and the food and the decisions that the child is making regarding food Mm -hmm. and that their job as a parent is (laughs) to provide mostly healthy options. Mm -hmm. That's it. Their job is the gatekeeper of what comes into the household. Mm -hmm. Yes. Once it's in the household, they cannot be the food police because that's a really hard job, right? And nobody wants it, and nobody wants to be policed,
0: no. <laughs> right?
1: Not in that way. <laughs> so I, that that's usually for me the discussion. What is what do you see your role as? And let's change that mindset. And your role is now actually in the supermarket, mm-hmm. right? When you are in the supermarket, if you look at your shopping cart and you see in it sugar drinks, right? Mm-hmm. You see in it processed foods, a lot of chips, cookies, etc., and it's not filled with healthy, fresh or frozen fruits and vegetables. Um, if it's not filled with healthy proteins, then let's change that. And we go through their shopping cart, their imaginary shopping cart. <laughs> and we see what what one or two things they can just take out of the cart. And then we changed their mindset about what the kid needs in school. Does my child have to have a snack in school that comes in a bag? Mm. Do we have to do that? Really think about it. What happens if your child's snack is an apple? Mm-hmm. Instead of that bag of pretzels. What happens if it's an apple in a bottle of water instead of cookies and juice or chocolate milk? So those little tiny micro habits is what I call them. For mm-hmm. children, they can, you know, over the years, you can really see a huge difference. And I have followed it. I followed that, mm-hmm. that BMI that used to be going straight up. I followed it become flat. Wow. And I love it. Sometimes it dips down, but just the flatness is such a, you know, it's, it's a joy to watch because it's a victory.
0: Yes, it absolutely is. And I think it's a testament to that you're really taking the time with your patients to understand what's going on, asking the right questions and making them feel safe to talk about it. Because a lot of times, like I know growing up, going to the doctors, the doctor was in and out very quickly and didn't take that time with, with any patients. I would see like there was be so many people in the waiting room and things along those lines. But to hear that there is pediatricians there are individuals out there really taking the time to find out what's going on so we can counteract any problems that could potential or be potential issues later on in life and I think that's so rewarding just hearing too seeing you track it as well and seeing that difference you're making in those children's lives but also the whole family because that impacts not just one person but everyone around them in that environment but I, I love that um So what has been your, like when it comes to your journey of like going to school and everything like that, I'm sure if somebody's watching that wants to go to to pediatrics, I know you had gone to school, you did all the work, but what did that look like? What was that like? Was there any ups and downs? I know I've had some, (laughs) but have you had any?
1: (laughs) So um, I think my first challenge in the United States, because I moved to the United States when I was 10 years old, not knowing any English So I think my first challenge was to fit in. Right. And maybe that's why I really relate to that age group. I was 10 years old and I certainly didn't fit in. Mm -hmm. Right. In any way, Dr. Carolyn. So um, I had to learn the language. I was bullied in school because they didn't like many things about me that were different. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, I used to come home crying and then I used to come home and watch the Brady Bunch. Well, such a good show. <laughs> and I was looking at Marsha Brady, I'm like, I look nothing like you, Marsha Brady, <laughs> but I want to be you. And it's so interesting, like you know, who you idolize as a ten or a little eleven year old. Yes, I was never going to look like Marsha Brady, uh, <laughs> but but through just you know going to school sucking it up I suppose is the only way I could say it because at that time there was like if, if you told someone that you were being bullied they'd be like yeah man up don't worry about it mm-hmm. um so that and then I learned English both in school and to be honest from the Brady Bunch um <laughs> and um, and then high school was much better I made two very good friends who were very supportive mm-hmm. And then um, in high school, you know, I, I felt supported by my peers and by my teachers. And then I think that made a huge change. It was one teacher in high school who was teaching anatomy and physiology who just I don't know why she made me love the body. And I was like, I can do this. I'm just going to study this thing. And um, that's how it started. Um, you know, Rutgers was a very large It's still a very large institution. So Mm -hmm. for one person, you can easily get lost, right? There's tens of thousands of students. So I felt like one of many there, and the support was different. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I was uh, almost graduating, I needed to decide to take the MCAT or not, and I went to talk to my advisor, and he sat me down and said, look, I just don't think you're going to make it into medical school. You should just do research. And I just... it kind of took me aback a bit. And then I made a decision that he's wrong. <laughs> Clearly, I made a decision that he's wrong. <laughs> I went about getting into medical school. And uh, the medical school journey itself, um, I would say, is difficult. You know, ent- getting in is very difficult. But once you're in, really, the work is hardcore. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, but but you meet so many friends there, right? You meet everybody doing the same thing. So it was really great, um, besides the many long nights of studying. Um, And then residency, for me, residency was a blur for many of us, right? You work 80, 100 hours a week, and you have no idea. All you know is that you're learning something every day. Mm -hmm. And um, so I graduated residency with a ton of student loans, Carolyn. Mm -hmm. And um, then I took a job that I thought was going to be perfect because it was in Union City where I went to med school, where I went to high school, I mean. Yeah. So I, I took the job and I was happy there for three years. And within those, the last end of the three years, they said, oh, we're going bankrupt. No more job. That's so they gave, they gave us one month notice and, um, and I had all these student loans to pay. And I had a household at that time and a child and a husband. And so I made the decision it was too hard for me to start my own practice. So I took a job. Three months, that's all I lasted. It was a toxic environment. And I ran out of there and decided to create my own environment. So that's when I started my practice. And I was in this practice not knowing what to do business-wise, to be honest. Right? Mm -hmm. Just making one One good decision, then one bad. One good, one bad. (laughs) Until I figured it out. Mm -hmm. Uh, Super scary, but it's done. And that was 26 years ago now, if I think about it correctly. So that's been my journey. And then I think my biggest journey has been over the last two to three years when it was very difficult for a practice to survive the pandemic. Yeah. Okay. So no one was coming into my practice. They were afraid of getting COVID there. OK, and whether they had well kids or sick kids, they just stayed home and no one was allowed to go out anyway in the beginning of 2020. And so I had to, you know, lay off and furlough some staff members. And um, a lot of my colleagues decided to close their offices, either temporarily or permanently, but I didn't. I did not close for one day since the pandemic started. Yeah. You're open 20, we're not 24, but we're open seven days a week. Mm hmm. Um, so we did open and we had to pivot a lot, right? We had to make a lot of big changes in how we do things. Um, I think that's what entrepreneurship is about. If you think about it, it's about pivoting. Okay. What's happening here? Pivot. What's happening there? Pivot. And then I, I discovered social media. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) You know, YouTube is, YouTube is really fun. I was terrified to make videos, but I did it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then I was terrified to be on Facebook, but I did it. So now I feel like social media is a huge part of how we communicate. So I am using social media. And my goal, Dr. Carolyn, is not to speak or help, you know, two or three or 50 patients, but to really talk to the parents and the professionals that are doing this and help them to tweak their words because it makes a huge difference. So I'm hoping that they start to call things, this is a health journey. Let's go on a health journey together, Mm -hmm. not a weight loss journey. Um, Let's talk about movement, not exercise, because a lot of kids hate exercise, but they certainly don't mind going out for a walk Mm -hmm. if you don't call it exercise, right? And and the most important mindset shift for me that I'd really love to spread the word about is that struggling with weight is not a personality weakness nor flaw.
0: Mm. Well said. Now, there's so much to unpack there. But the first thing I want to say is I am so glad that you didn't listen to, I think it was the college counselor saying that you couldn't go to medical school or just to do research. And you're like, no, I'm doing it. And I think that just shows the tenacity that you have and just the willpower of, yeah, I'm doing this. I know I can do this. And you set the path for others and you're showing people one person's opinion or thoughts does not define who you are, what you're capable of. So I just wanted to comment on that because I think that's really important to drive home. But I love that the journey, it's ups and downs, but even when you started working in Union City and then moving into another work environment that was toxic, again, recognizing when enough is enough and you need to get out of a situation that is not serving you, even if it's a few months, even if it's a few years, knowing, when the time is to go and not staying stuck. Huge, huge. Because I think a lot of people will stay because like, well, I can just wait it out or I'm waiting to get another job. So this looks good on my resume or whatever it may be. Even as an entrepreneur, because of who you're dealing with business or anything like that, it's just important to know when it's time to go, go. Um, And just know that there's a game plan somehow, some way. And then moving into starting your own practice and when COVID hit and the pandemic, how much that might've shifted everything. And it did, but in a way where you were able to get your name out there more and get on social media and putting things out there, but not closing your doors. And, you know, a lot of people did struggle of keeping it open or not in every field. But like we are talking about, entrepreneurship is all about pivoting. You never know what's gonna happen, but it's still being able to pivot with the times and what makes sense. And I just think it's so important language, going back to the communication factor of how parents are speaking to their children, but also how professionals are speaking to children too, because it's really important that mind is a sponge and like protecting it so much. And that's how I feel at least too, but being able to really tweak it instead of saying exercise movement. Some kids love dancing or just having a good time around the kitchen. They're like singing and dancing while they're cooking, whatever it is, but moving their body. So knowing that how much the mind and body are connected but a lot of times people will stop themselves because of the mindset and think, oh, well, I have to lose weight or I have to do this. Instead, tweaking the conversation of around health and just what is important for us, for everyone else too in the world. Um, but if you could give one or two tips, maybe even three, if somebody is going on this journey to become going into pediatrics or just in the entrepreneurial world, what are two to three tips that you would give? Um, Well, I would give number
1: one, please, please, please learn the business of medicine because it's really important. There are so many resources now that I didn't have back then. So they probably will not teach you the business of medicine in medical school, which is okay because... (laughs) online there's so many resources. I joined a group of like-minded female physician entrepreneurs and mm-hmm. they are my rock. We bounce things off each other all the time. It's called Entre md Business School. I love it. We're in this community we meet once a week virtually and sometimes twice a year actually we meet in person oh, cool. <laughs> and we support each other and exchange ideas. And so this kind of a group so if you're if you want to go into med school, study hard, Get in there once you're done don't forget the business of medicine is equally important so learn it learn it we're lots of us doing it out here lots of us so learn from us come and ask questions get into the right community number one number two is go into it understanding that if you want a successful practice or business you must market you can hang up your shingle and wait for people to come. And that will be successful in five to 10 years. Or you can get out there and make videos and go on podcasts and be proactive and post, post, post about how wonderful your practice is. And it will be great in two years instead of in 10 years. So you got resources, use them all. That would be number two. And number number three is your team. Your team is gold. OK, if you find people who are driven by purpose, not by money, hold on to them like they are gold. And that's what I have. I love my team. <laughs> I'm calling them out right now. We've hired and fired plenty of people who were driven purely by money. But my team likes to help patients. Yeah. If that's what gives your team joy, you're done. You're going to have a great practice. Those are the basics. You need a good, solid foundation of people who have done it. You (laughs) need to put yourself out there, and you need a great team to support you. Yes. Yeah.
0: Those are amazing tips, and you're absolutely right. In school, you don't learn the business side. Even if you go to school for business, you don't always learn – the depth of it. And you just have to do it (laughs) essentially. But I love that you said like, When you put, you don't put up the sign and say, okay, I'm open and expect everyone to run in. I mean, I did (laughs) when I started, (laughs) that's not the case, but marketing is such a big aspect, but I love the fact that you brought in the team too, because it really is about having a solid team. So it makes everything work because we're not great at everything as much as sometimes I'm like, okay, I can do it. Let me take it on. I like to learn it, but then handing it off and it goes back to like delegating and understanding too, who's gonna be the right fit, but people that are driven that want to continue. So I've been having such an amazing time talking to you and I'm sure everyone has learned so much from you, but we're gonna jump into the rapid fire questions if you're ready for them.
1: My goodness, all right, hold on.
0: (laughs) So the first question is, what motivates you to work smarter?
1: I want to make more impact. So working smarter will help me to help more people earn more money so I can give it all away.
0: Mm-hmm. I love that. Touches the heart. <laughs> um, so if you were a superhero, well, you are kind of a superhero, but if you were a superhero in a different way, what would be your power or powers? Uh-uh.
1: I consider Mother Teresa a superhero, someone whom I can never aspire to. Um, I try, but the truth of the my superpower would be kindness. That's all I want. I think yeah. that's what I want.
0: Yeah, I like that. If everyone would be a little kinder too, it'd be a different world. <laughs> exactly. What is the most daring thing you've ever done?
1: Honestly, start a mm-hmm. private practice
0: <laughs>
1: with eighty thousand dollars of student loans sitting on my shoulders. That that was brave. I mean, to be honest, I'm not. I'm not a risk taker. I don't gamble, mm-hmm. and I don't do too many risky things. But mm-hmm. for me, that felt like I jumped off of a cliff.
0: Yeah, it is scary because it's the unknown, especially if you've never done it before and. Student debt looming. I get it. <laughs> it's yep. a thing. It's a thing. Uh, what is the phone app that you use the most? Gosh, I like
1: so many phone apps. It's really hard <laughs> to tell. But I recently discovered a really cool phone app called Bloom, and it helps with mental health. Um, oh, I've heard. CBT uh, app, and and I admit, I like it a lot.
0: <laughs> it I is use- really good.
1: I use it. And if my patients have to wait for a long time to see a counselor, we start with Bloom.
0: Mm, you love it. That transition. Yeah. I think it, it's a fantastic app. Highly recommend it.
1: Yeah.
0: What is your favorite family recipe? So if it's a traditional recipe or one you love to make together as a family? Oh, I love some,
1: it's an Egyptian dish because I'm Egyptian. It's called kosheri and it's made out of rice and lentils and onions and chickpeas and it's just spicy and so yummy.
0: Oh, that sounds delicious. I'm like, I want that for lunch. (laughs) I love that. Um, So if you have a day off when you're not working, because I know your practice is open seven days a week, but when you are off, what's your favorite way to spend that day?
1: I love going paddle boarding with my partner.
0: Mm, we I go paddle boarding,
1: just hang out on the little island and do nothing.
0: Yes, so relaxing, and it's a good workout. Yep, or movement, I should say. <laughs> <laughs> what is something an outsider wouldn't know about your industry? I think one thing
1: people don't understand about my industry is that there are tiny profit margins, not big. We give a lot of vaccines in pediatrics and they're very expensive and we often lose money on them. Oh. So vaccines, I will order a vaccine and one dose could be $150 and the insurance company contract can pay me hundred dollars but because I also spend money on the needle and on the syringe and on the other supplies, and I also spend money on the person giving the vaccine, it turns out to be a losing proposition. So if there's anything I'd like to change, it's the fact that I would like vaccines, which in my opinion are Mm -hmm. life-saving, to be either a little less expensive or be, to be paid more. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the one thing, like the profit margins are very, very little. We never make money from vaccines or injectables. Um, and our goal is to serve our patients. So we have to have our doors open, mm-hmm. right? No money, yeah. no rent, can't leave the doors open. So okay. that's the hardest part of the business of medicine at this point.
0: Wow. I had no idea, and I'm sure people listening to have no idea unless they're in it, but that's a really important aspect because your whole mission and everything you've been talking about is healthy living, really helping people live a healthy life. Yes, vaccines are important for especially as children and the ones that we always get, like when we're born up until like certain ages, but yeah, I had no idea. That just like blew my mind. <laughs> but Dr. Pollock, thank you so much for coming on today. Before I let you go, where can people find you? Where is your practice? We'll link everything below in the description, but if you could let us know too.
1: So for those of us in New Jersey, I am in North Jersey, Progressive Pediatrics. So you can find me at ProgressivePediatrics.com. Um, And there you'll find some links for my LinkedIn account and my YouTube and Facebook account. And I would absolutely love anyone who would ask me to be a speaker at their event or podcast. Just message me on Facebook or LinkedIn. I would really enjoy being a speaker.
0: Well, thank you so much, Dr. Pollack, for being here today, for sharing your journey, the ups, downs, everything in between, but just your love for helping children really be healthy from the inside out and also educating the parents on that too, and really changing the way the healthcare system is. So we appreciate you being here today and just sharing everything that you did.
1: And thank you for the great questions. I appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. Thank you. And make sure to like, subscribe, comment below. What was the biggest takeaway from Dr. Pollock? I'm sure she would love to know what you had to think or say um, so she can read that too. And we'll see you on the next video.